This is the one with a noble savage. Infernal telephonic machines. Elocution out of control. More locked doors than Reading Jail. And tricky things, Malice. It's called Ghost Light. Here we, Here we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalent, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Tontorans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What's up, Podcast Land, and welcome to a surefire hilarioloid episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Docpast. That's right. Oh, dearest Podcast Land, I am the current evolutionary form of Leon, that's me, and before me, I have the privilege of gazing across the ether at the majestic. <laughs> I didn't know which M word I was going to go for there. The mystical, the magical, the wonder of oh, the wonderful, the majestic invoice. <laughs> you just pitched the M upside down and wanted to W it up, didn't you? It's Jim Cakes. Hello, Jim. Oh, hello, Leon. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Hello, podcast land. Here we are again. Oh, holy smokes. Oh, Jim Cakes. We are discussing Ghostlight tonight. Ghostlight, which is the... Hang on, correct me if I'm wrong here. Is this the anti-penultimate episode of oh, Classic... I... It is. I can't correct oh you because I think you're right. Yes, yes. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's Ghostlight, then Curse of Fenric, and then Survival, and that is it. After that, it's just the Doctor Who movie. Holy of mollies. Yeah. Jim, I have an inkling that I know what your answer is going to be, but high level, how did you feel about the anti-penultimate episode of classic Doctor Who? Okay, hear me out. So, <laughs> no, most mostly, yeah, I wasn't sure about this one. I could kind of feel like there might have been some good in there somewhere, but this is the most confused I have been over a Doctor Who serial in a long time. Wow. Right, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think it's almost perfect. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Here we are. I'm strapping in. Leon, I think you should strap into Podcast Land. You know the drill. <laughs> Click. That's my belt. Yes, it's a clicky belt. It's like on airplanes. This is going to be good. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fantastic. R- remind me, how do you normally feel about the sort of Hammer horrory Doctor Who episodes? Yeah, I'm not normally a massive fan. <laughs> so it's not a great start. Well, if they did it well, it'd be fine. I just haven't come across one of those. <laughs> oh, you don't? You just don't feel that this was well executed, do you? Mm. I do understand why you think it's yeah. slightly confusing, because apparently even the cast thought it was confusing. But yeah. Oh, wow. Right. Well, that does probably mean that there will be quite a lot for uh, the two of us to untangle this evening. Well, I'm hoping you can help me understand it as some kind of exercise to... Enjoying it a little bit more than I did watching it, perhaps. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I shall certainly try, and maybe you can talk me back down to earth in the meantime. Why don't we start off, though, by summarising what all this is about, blurbifying it for podcast lands. Well, like bite, bite-sized style, that chunk of who, goodness. Oh, yeah, let's do that. 
Time for us to synopsize, clarify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Perivale, Greater London, houses some dark secrets, many of them in one particular house that Ace had the misfortune of encountering in 1983. But that's all in the past. Well, the future, as Doc's current focus is most definitely on said house's Victorian period and its occupants who only come out at night. No, they're not vampires, that would make far too much sense. They're just under the control of a rapidly evolving alien called Smith, who has a Neanderthal for a butler. You know, that old shtick. Smith has plans, of a sort, and has also ensnared explorer-slash-game-hunter Redvers Fen Cooper to help him achieve them. Something to do with having lunch with the Queen and then taking over the Empire, yada yada yada. Somehow there's also a supreme being, imaginatively called Light, kept in suspended animation as well. Light is a fan of the status quo, and much indeed has changed, nay, evolved since he last put a foot outside of his cosy bed. So, will Doc manage to overcome both of these grumpy gooses, or just fudge it all until the final credits roll? Only time I will never get back can tell. <laughs> B-Scout over. You are welcome. Oh, that is a phenomenal B-Scout. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Yeah, sub subclause, I wrote that, and I wrote the last line for me to say it. <laughs> this does not reflect yeah, well, the opinion of the entire podcast. <laughs> so where would you like to begin? Do, do you want to maybe clarify what you think doesn't work about this one? I mean, I almost want to put the burden of proof on you and say what does work. <laughs> what the hell is going on in this? Who is Josiah's, yeah. whatever he calls, Smith? Yeah. What is light? Who is light? Uh-huh. Yep. What type of being is that? Why yep. cataloging stuff? Who for? Mm-hmm. What when? Right. Now how? Badger. Yeah. <laughs> all really good questions. Even Badger. Great question. All right. Not sure I'm going to remember all of those questions, but I'll answer one of them immediately. Namely, what kind of creature slash who is light? I will answer that immediately by saying I have no idea and I don't think that it is ever established in this serial. He's just a dude... <laughs> In his current form, he is a dude who travels the universe and catalogues everything. But that's just what he does. And somehow, weirdly, yeah. he has yeah. never come across evolution. <laughs> In no. all of his travels, he has never noticed that Nothing things change. <laughs> Planets don't have orbits. There's no. no such thing as the Big Bang and things moving yeah. across the universe. People don't even no. die and get born. Like, that, <laughs> that never happens. Everything is stagnant everywhere in the universe. And he walks around and just catalogues it. Yeah. The others, Sm- uh, Smith, Josiah Smith, he is a one of Light's adjutants or, like, whatever. He's, he's one of the people. There are two people who are traveling around with Light or were traveling around with Light. One was Josiah Smith and the other one was Control. And I couldn't exactly tell you how Light was imprisoned, but somehow Light was just, or, you know, put to sleep inside the machine. And Light and Control, well, sorry, Survey is his actual name. Smith slash Survey. He takes over and he now wants to have his own life and he wants to no longer play by Light's rules. He wants to do the cataloging and rule the Empire. Okay, we have to put a pin in the Smith's grand plan of having yes. tea with oh, the yeah, Queen. That is anyway. hilariously dumb. <laughs> that is so wonderfully dumb. I'm going to bump up my rating by 0.1. That's how bad his plan is. It's so good. 
I generally did not put together that they... Like, I got the control was something to do with light. I didn't quite understand how it went about. Like, light uh -huh. is this supreme being thing. I don't know what to describe light as. And control, let's face it, is a woman and... In her current... Smith, okay. Is it clear what form she could have been? I don't know. Smith, we've well, seen Smith evolution. Well, be an insect and a reptile and is now a human. A Victorian era human. I mean, both of them were humanoid, though. It wasn't like he was just... Yes, that's true. ...an inch, inch big bug, you know? No, that's true. It is a little weird that at some point he evolved into a bipedal insect man, <laughs> but... What was he when Light was running the show? Was he an insect? We, we never what, find I'm, out. That's the thing. We no. never find out what their original form is or what Light used to look like. But Light now appears as a human. That's why when he shows up out of the lift, he's like, why have I turned into this form? I've never been like this before. It's like, yeah. Okay. Evolution, he's... motherfucker. It's a thing. <laughs> But he can still, like, transform into a particle or whatever the hell he does and just, like, appear all over the place. Like, he's not really human. Wait, either. when? No, he's, he you're right. He's basically... He's just appear in a clap of thunder creature. or something? Yeah. Yeah, he shows. He certainly shows up as light, as, like, just light. Ace yeah. refers to him as an angel. Nimrod at one point has seen him. The Neanderthal. By the way, yeah, in case anyone was wondering if there's a Neanderthal in this episode, yeah, don't worry about it. There is a Neanderthal. Yeah. If you got that on your bingo card, you, you're one step close. <laughs> yeah. Stamp it. Stamp it on your card. He remembers seeing light and believing that he was some sort of sun god. So, so that's why he's referred to as light, or maybe that's why we have the word light. I don't know how they try to rationalize it. Yeah. But yeah I, I'm just so, mean, so confused. Because that also, okay. that means that light was around at the time of the Neanderthals. Yeah. Like, Nimrod has yes. been plucked from that period. It's not It's not like they've brought a Neanderthal through it in time, forward in time, and he saw them at a different point, or he's been time-traveling. I got the impression Nimrod lived a normal Neanderthal life, somehow developed very capable speech. Well, this dude is like, As if he's just been around since then, he is very old. When did the Well, I assume he had been there? multiple tens of thousands of years ago. I'm um, looking it up. I'm looking it up until 40,000 years ago. And he was yeah. the last one. That's what we find out. He was the very last one. I mean, I assumed he had been frozen or something at some point. Probably. They freeze lots of people. They freeze the police inspector or whatever. He's just exactly. a drawer. Yeah, this technology seems to exist in this. The universe created for this episode. Because this is another big beat I have this. That's the cataloging. That's what they do. Yeah, I guess. So know. so here's the thing. Okay, here's how I would. I'm gonna try to. Yeah, I'm gonna try to reframe this in a way that you will hopefully appreciate the majesty of this serial. There are three people running all of the British Museum. <laughs> one person's at the top. One person's in charge of just like surveying everything and making little dioramas. And one person is the project manager, the who's in control. The person at the top just constantly bosses them around. And the two others, the control, the project manager and the survey person they go like yeah but we're sick and tired of constantly doing what you tell us to do we're sick and tired of constantly creating new dioramas for this one museum we want to see more of the world and we have our own lives and values and whatever so at some point they stick the boss in the drawer and they go fuck everyone else now this is our museum we're in charge we're in charge of what goes into it and not just that it's the british museum we're in charge of great britain as well <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna run this entire show that's it that's this show that's this serial 
except on a planetary scale. That sounded a lot better. You should pitch that. That could work. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bear in mind. But that's yeah. effectively, I think, what they're trying to do here. But then, I guess, maybe What's at some space? point... Smith? Oh, sorry. Smith, Smith has had to have turned on Control as well, because Control's locked up. Yes. Yeah, he has. At some point, he has put Control... Like, locked Control in the basement, or, or in a room in their spaceship, because he wants to be the only person in charge. Yeah. And he has evolved slightly really past... He is slightly more evolved. Like, he he basically has one other in, in evolution. He's man and she's woman. Which no, it's is... like, in the beginning, he has... Oh, sorry, she has... Like, her head is... There's something weird going on with her head. It's like her half of her head is just possibly... Is it reptilian? There's something... Like, she is... There's Wait, the same kind of weird... a cloak over her head and she just wouldn't show half, half her face? No? I think that cloak covers something... I'm going to look at it. I'm going to Google image this right now because I'm pretty sure that her head is not 100% human. What's this okay. thing called? The ghost lights. Doctor Who ghost lights control. Here we go. She was really great until she wasn't, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Flipping bingo tits. This this is it. If you Google image search Doctor Who ghost light control, you'll find a picture of... It, it's... I don't know what they're trying to do with her head. It's like she's wearing kind of a Phantom of the Opera-ish cranial mask. I mean, it just looks really dark. I don't see any, any like, other details. It's just half her face isn't visible. So do you feel like her head is, like, abnormally round? It's as though she's wearing a cycle hel- cycling helmet on oh, yeah. the cloak? Oh, yeah. It does. But I didn't get the impression great... that this is meant to be a different evolutionary form. I thought it was, she's wearing some hideous blanket, you know? <laughs> and then later on, she's okay, taking well, it off. Maybe I'm, like, maybe I'm wrong. Really I may very well be wrong. I've just pinged you a link to an image. I'm pretty sure that that... Anyway, I don't even know if that answers the question you asked. I'm not even sure which question you asked. Either way, he locks her up because he has the upper hand. That's it, right? Yeah, so he locks her up because he's got the upper hand because he is slightly more intelligent than she is. She is somewhere between his old reptile state and his current human state. She's somewhere in between. Okay. And then, I think so. I mean, in the meantime, he's just, like, creating his own little dioramas. When he creates the drama of... out of the priest who, for no reason... Why is there a priest? Why does the priest show up? But when the priest oh, shows no. up, he flippin' pops him in a diorama. Boom. Why, why Why? does he turn into a monkey? What the hell is that? Okay, I'll admit, slight logical problem there. You don't turn into a monkey if you eat a banana. But, <laughs> I... <laughs> I mean, was there I'll anything else going on? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of want to love it. Let's be clear here. I do kind of want to love it, but I just really, really struggled watching it. Like, there's something yeah. about the aesthetic. There's something about the way a lot of the dialogue was delivered, which I really kind of liked. Yeah. I think she's called Gwendolyn, the ward. Like, yes. she was just bonkersly nonsensical, creepy, just super weird. And yeah. I kind of liked that, but it just didn't yeah, yeah, make yeah. any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Not in that way. Or maybe in that way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, but it also, uh, it, I absolutely agree with you. The mum as well. Her mum is, is similarly yeah. detached from humanity. There's something just, not quite right about them. It kind of felt to me, though, that every little piece of this was just separate. So, yeah, you've got the mum character, the, the lady of the house. Like, she was yeah. that kind of creepy, almost Dickensian, like, detached from reality kind of person. Gwendolyn was the kind of weird creepy that, yes, you know, teenagers kind of aim for in a way. <laughs> 
and they kind of worked sometimes together but most of the time I felt like they were too separate and then you just get you get random scenes that I guess were trying to piece things together which you picked up on more than I did of like Gwendolyn going to the drawer and it's full of butterflies and beetles and then a random inspector like on the surface of it that's really cool it's like we've been collecting these species but it's just it's not a big enough point in the main story I don't know it's just it was a bit of a throwaway and then I'm just kind of like going oh wait what was that oh oh, okay. Oh, we've moved on. There's something else happening. And that was just really not a big detail. Okay, whatever. And it I mean, just felt like the... lots of little things. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Absolutely. And there's... You know what? I just didn't really catch this. Maybe you caught this, but I'm sure there's a reason why Gwendolyn and her mum, what's her name, Lady Pritchard, why they are sort of zombified. They're somehow mesmerized up until the very end in part three. Yeah. At some point, Doc shows them the little locket with the photos and they snap out of it. And they're like, oh my God, I'm me. You're my daughter or you're my mum, whatever it is. Right before light turns them into a statue. Baller move, by the way. But yeah. up until that point, they have been mesmerized by someone somehow and that does that does like i think account for them having that detachment that's what makes them creepy I, I couldn't tell you why they are mesmerized if it's like is this is this actually their house I, is I that think this is my point it's like it doesn't quite all fit together like it's not i think it's meant to be josiah that has mesmerized them because he's the one that is yeah, the so too. head of this household so yeah. it, it makes sense and i think maybe it's even explicitly said and i can't quite remember but it's it's not attached with a motivation like why does he want to be running a household why doesn't he want to just be on his own in the middle of nowhere why does he need people around him why why are these people kind of going about with their own motivations like this is the thing we always come across i think with hypnosis is like it's never clear if this is the will of the post person who's hypnotized them or if this is their personality underneath and through m like 90 percent of this serial it seems like it's the personality of the person underneath and then at the end it yeah. changes and then that always feels a bit of a letdown and weak and it's just like well what the fuck was that then I don't know anymore you just thought that was cool and so you did it <laughs> is what it comes okay, well, across to me here's what I'm gonna do I wanna look up Gwendolyn and Lady Pritchard on TARDIS Wiki to see who they are Ah, okay. TARDIS wiki to the rescue. Josiah Samuel Smith, that's survey to you and me, had arrived at the house by 1881 and warped everybody's memories, making Gwendolyn believe that she was his ward and that her mother was the housekeeper. Then when Sir George, that's the dad, saw Light's ship in the cellar, Josiah made Gwendolyn kill him before making her believe that he had gone to Java. Boom. Oh, now, does that make sense? Sorry. That. I mean, it does make sense. Yeah. But that, does. I mean, this, ah, this is the frustrating thing. Like, that's <laughs> actually really cool. It's really cool it that... Is. Doctor. Like Josiah would come there and yeah that's so super dark maybe it's too dark for Doctor Who to be fair <laughs> but like that's the kind of thing that should be emphasized that could that's an entire episode to like unravel that backstory and yeah. really dwell on those characters and it's not it's hinted at it's thrown away in a few scenes and then okay trivia I don't know if you read this trivia okay. already I don't know Let's hear so it. this this serial was the last serial ever recorded so they were yes. aired out of recording order and the very so last scene to stone is yes is that they turn to stone and it is it's a really like well, i mean it could be that could be an incredibly impactful moment i'm sure i was on set at, at the very last thing you're recording for a season i'm sure that felt like an amazing scene to record because it's the end of the season i don't know if they knew or had any inkling it was the end of classic who at that point but you know whatever i'm sure wrapping 
they would have felt like this is this is great. Yeah, the scene where they get frozen, it's cold, it's poetic. And I just think when it came about, it was just a bit random. Like light just starts going around dissecting maids and turning people to stone. And I don't, it's just all disconnected. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like it, he, he does all of those things, but then he also intends to eradicate all life at least on the planet, maybe in the whole universe, I don't know, but certainly yeah. destroy the planet, which seems like a kind of pointless endeavor because is he he's he travels around in a spaceship. What does it matter if one planet gets destroyed? Like the rest of the universe is still evolving. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so if he's intending to do that, why would he turn someone to stone? Why would he? I think the dissection actually, you know what? I take that back. The dissection makes sense because he does that in order to figure out what's happening. Like what is a human being? What is a modern human being? Let me take it apart and see how what makes it tick. I mean, again, in isolation makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But then pitted with the rest of the motivation, like you say... He's of the will to just, oh, all this stuff has, has ruined my cataloging. I'm going to destroy it. So why bother investigating it? I think even the same logic holds there. But the idea of this all-powerful being, it makes me think of the first series of Heroes, which was actually quite good. The rest of the show kind of went massively downhill from there. But you had this oh, yeah, character that, that was so, yeah. It was like he was the anti-Professor X almost, I guess, of like trying to work out everyone's powers. and This is the dude, together. new Spock who yeah, yeah. the son of a watchmaker who knows how to put things together and that allows him to take things apart and like yeah, exactly. understand them yeah like it's a really creepy idea i want to say his name i'm sure i think you might be right if it's not that so. it's very very close yeah it's very similar yeah i know yeah anyway and yeah just the idea of taking things well taking people apart to see how they work is yeah yeah horrific i think it's amazing um, but i don't know I just feel like they could have done one thing or the other as well. Like, dial some stuff down, give some stuff more, like, give character development a bigger space. Like, you could just have freezing people to, turning people to stone, or just yeah. have dissecting people to work out how they work, you know? Sure, but the freezing people, like, turning people to stone is pretty similar to stuffing them, right? Like, it's pretty similar to having yeah, okay. a drawer full of stuffed whatever animals, or um, taxidermied animals on the wall, or, what was it, the Homo Victorianus ineptus <laughs> eating a banana <laughs> behind glass. Oh, yeah. Like, that, there's... To make a statue of someone, it's tantamount to just having a photo, a painting well, of... I think it would have been if it was just like they were frozen and they looked organic still, but there was a yeah. fact applied that turned them to stone. Yeah, I'm trying to justify it and it's not entirely justifiable. You are right. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that this godlike creature has the power to turn people into stone. I agree, that's bonkers. I mean, I don't mind not understanding everything. I don't mind there being room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. I just felt like there was like goalposts between every little bit of room for interpretation rather than totally fair. a couple of couple of bits here and there. Totally uh, fair. Uh, you know what? I mean, I'm already... <laughs> I am bumping the number up in my mind that I originally wrote down because nice. the ideas are sort of circling around. Maybe I could watch it again with that in mind and get more out of it and just absorb the good parts, I guess, and ignore the fact that, yeah, it doesn't all kind of pan out and not everything's explained. That is a little bit part of the course for classic Doctor Who. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Did you have any starter questions that we've not hit upon? Uh, yeah, I guess I have a few. Can we touch upon, you already said that we absolutely need to pick up this pin. Can we touch upon Josiah Smith's plan to take over the country by being red versus plus one? <laughs> 
we can touch upon it. You, yeah, you go ahead. You explain. Be, be, put yourself in Josiah Smith's shoes and think okay. about all the possible plots you could come up with. Oh, then. this is great. This is like a, a with, character study. It I like it. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hang on. I need to get it to go. Okay. So I am Josiah Smith. I am Josiah Smith. Oh, I'm Josiah Smith. Oh, I want to take over the world. What, what's step one? Kill the queen. How am I going to kill the queen? I need to get close to her. How am I going to get close to her? She's going to throw a tea party. I need to go to that tea party. How do I go to that tea party? I'm not invited. I need to find someone who has been invited and who has the right to bring a friend. And then I'll befriend them and I'll be there plus one. That will get me close to the queen. I kill the queen. Great. Now I just need to find someone. I found someone. Gonna keep them around. Gonna keep them around for a long time. Gonna make them go nuts. They have their invitation. I'm not gonna make use of it, but I'm gonna keep them in the attic. And then at some point, they're gonna go on the nuts, escape their bonds, and then I'm gonna go, oh, I forgot. You have an invitation. Can I be your plus one? I can't. Fuck. That's my plan. Shot to crap. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, no plan B up that sleeve there. No, no, no. absolutely oh, no plan let's, B. Let's cover our bases, maybe find two people with invitations, at the very least. <laughs> you have an invitation, give it to me, done. Now you can go and be crazy up in the attic, and I'll just have your invitation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe as part of whatever the fuck you are doing to super evolve, you can control it in a way. You have, it yeah. seems you have chosen to evolve into Victorian man. Like, I think they kind yes. of refer to it as like just Victorian man, not just human. Like Victorian yeah. man. Yeah, Victorian man. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have maybe tweaked it slightly so you look like Redverse? No? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, apparently not. How about this? Give the queen a banana. Apparently yeah. that's part of your superpower. You give someone a banana, you turn them into an ape person do that or at least every guard you meet on the way to the queen <laughs> exactly hmm, are you hungry try one of these <laughs> or whatever they do to the inspector so that they can put him in a drawer do that to everyone wait that's yeah you're right the, they have the power he also they have a lot a of powers that, yeah he has a spaceship that is that travels at the speed of thought which by the way i quite like light travels at the speed of thought i quite like that yeah okay <laughs> But yeah, you are right. Just... Yeah, they've got all these powers. They don't use them. It's bananas, so to speak. And I mean, also, what's like this is this has to be like a hundred step plan. And mm -hmm. getting close to He's the queen gosh. is probably like step five. Yeah. Like then what, dude? What the fuck are you gonna do? You think what you just magically control all the armed forces of Britain and take over the world? I mean, even if that was the case. Then what? Yeah. You're ruler of the world. Yeah. You don't strike me I'll as someone who's just going to be happy then. <laughs> I don't know. In my mind, it was like, he, he kills the queen and then, like, he's the queen, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, but I mean, no, I don't think so. At least with the master. Life, but I think in this serial, I think that's the idea. Sorry? Or maybe. I don't know. At least with the master. Like, you know, the master yeah. is a bastard. Let's face it. The master's a bastard. Certainly. Yes. The, the best kind of bastard. Yes. The the bastard. The dastardly of bastards. Yes. He doesn't need all the time the what if or the what next. It's it's good enough just to destroy shit because he's evil. He wants to destroy shit. He, he wants a bit of chaos. He wants Doc yeah. to suffer. All that shtick. Mm -hmm. This guy doesn't seem to want any of that. This guy, to be honest, watching this serial, didn't seem to want anything. And then suddenly this invitation to the Queen came out of, well, as, as I felt, came totally out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, right. That, that was a plan? 
That was the point. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. That's completely right. You know what? I'm subtracting that point one that I gave it extra a moment ago. It's gone. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense. Also, what does it matter if he, let's say that's all enough. He gets the whole plus one thing. He goes to the tea party. He kills the queen. Now he's in charge of the British Empire. Then what? What? What's? Yeah. Why does he want to do that? I don't know. Like he doesn't like the way that humans are running the British Empire, so he wants to run the British Empire differently. To do what? What? What, what is the end game? I have no idea. Dude has a spaceship. Like, why, why would you even be here? Yeah. At the end of this serial. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just getting more more frustrated every oh, time. I, oh, I, I, I feel like I'm happy. I'm happy with it, and it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Let it go, Jim. Don't be a dick. People like this Don't stuff. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, because then every every time I'm thinking, you got a spaceship, you could go somewhere else. But then we're told by this super being called Light that evolution isn't a thing or wasn't a thing when they were cataloging. So they have... What the fuck have they seen of the universe? Where have they been? How have they not seen change or evolution or or anything to say there is stationary existence in the universe. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. he thinks this spaceship is pointless because they were in a nothing void up to now, and then they came to Earth, and they were there for a milli millionth of a millisecond and went, this is Earth, there we go, done. Well, he met Nimrod, so he was on Earth... 40,000 years ago, he met Nimrod, he collected him, as in Light personally collected Nimrod, because he recognizes him. He's like, oh yeah, you were the last one. Yes. He true. then says, at least your lot had the good taste to stop evolving. Meaning, he knows that people around him, died. Homo sapiens, they were evolving. So, evolution is a thing that he's aware of. Yeah, No, it's yeah. bullshit. It's dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's fine, dude. It's I mean... fine. <laughs> Just say the dude woke up cranky and wants to rip shit apart and turn people to stone. That would have been fine. Yeah. Don't have to say, oh no, I actually don't believe in evolution. I'm sorry. No, no, don't show it to me. It would just make me angry. Don't believe in it. Okay, uh, can I take us down a slightly different path? Because we are, I think we yeah. just need to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you feel differently about Ace now that you know that she's a fucking arsonist? <laughs> Do I? Yeah, I guess a bit. Have we ever because... heard of this house before? Did you know that she was a criminal? I mean, it's implied in a few different ways. Like, she... Is it? She was glee gleeful in... Was it just the last serial or the one before? I've forgotten. Where she, they were bonding over her blowing up a pottery class, basically, at school. It's like... Yeah, true. She's blowing shit up at school. Like, it's yeah. not everyday behavior. Probably has had a run-in or two with the law. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't quite expecting, oh yeah, I burnt an entire house down. Why? But it also wasn't quite out of the down. blue. She showed up, it was really scary, so she burnt it down. Uh, that's what we're told. Yeah. Okay. And did she just go in, was she just trespassing, is that it? She was just trespassing on this property, she got scared because... She felt like it was, there was an evil left behind by Josiah Smith, and so she burnt it to the ground. I've just realized I have way more questions about this. I actually think, was the evil, was light still being there, or was it? I don't think so. Is, will she still have burnt down this house? I assume so. So what is the evil that has been left behind there? I, hmm... I really got the impression that it was light, because Doc 
I don't know what the fuck Doc says and does, and suddenly light goes, does not compute, and just oh, evaporates yeah, no, out of existence. Know. And I, I thought it was that evaporating out of existence that meant the house was then haunted. There were aspects of light still oh, present in the house. Interesting. interesting, yeah. And it was basically a way of explaining ghosts. And that is probably why it's called ghost. I mean, it is. Cool. Yeah, I've only just understood that myself. All right, interesting. All right, but it is. That makes it a Bill and Ted. Yeah, it's a bootstrap time travel paradox. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you're right. He's only dispersed in the house because in the future, traumatized, she somehow inspires Doc to take her there to face her fears. Yeah. Okay, follow-up question. This is in 1881, right? She went into this house in 1983. Good year, by the way. And... Nice. (laughs) In the intervening 102 years, the house is still standing. Does no one live there in in 1983? I assumed it was empty in 1983. Yeah, I assumed it was derelict at that point. Whether it's derelict for the entire nigh 100 years, I don't know if that was clear or not. Hmm. Okay. I'm. Yeah, I was a little bit wish. Yeah, wishy-washy on the details of the whole whole experience Ace had had because it's that was one of the things that was done better. But I think because so much other shit was going on, I missed it. A lot of the times. Like, I kind of liked this thread that was going through of Ace didn't want to talk about this and Doc was trying to have her talk about it. But at the same time, I kind of felt like Doc was being an absolute dick for doing this in the first place. Yeah. Like, this kind of shock therapy or whatever the hell you want to explain it as. Yeah, that is a really real dick move. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't know, to be honest. Like, the history of the house after this, if it's just, is always one of those haunted house properties that you see in... Tropey, tropey films. No one ever lives there afterwards. It's I thought you were about up. to say right move. It's one of those, you know, haunted house properties you see on right move. It's just like <laughs> one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want to buy this? Separate no, category, this has been empty you know. for 102 years. <laughs> yeah. You never look through all the detailed filters. Is like, was someone murdered here? How That's the thing. I always exclude retirement ghosts. properties and haunted houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why you're missing them. It's where all the bargains yeah. are. Also, wait, it doesn't have off-street parking. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, but so, okay. So do you sympathize more or less with Ace after this? And oh, yeah, this was your original question. Shock sorry. therapy thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and how do you feel? You brought up Doc's shock therapy aspect. How do you feel about that? Is he doing that out of kindness? Or is he doing that out of curiosity? What What is propelling this story i mean i really got the impression of the latter which is why i felt it was a dick move it doesn't it doesn't feel like he's doing this for ace's benefit yeah i think you're right and maybe this is why a seventh doctor is seen as a you know harsher doctor because i don't think i've seen that really in what we've watched so far like i also didn't really see it so much in the sixth doctor other than the one obvious incident right at the start but yeah I, i don't know if any of this really changed my feeling towards Ace or Doc, really. I just felt like this particular scenario was a bit shitty. I was just like, oh yeah, that thing. Oh, you, you told me that you were traumatized by this experience she went into a haunted house. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to take you there. Go there. Except I'm not going <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, when they show up in the haunted house, she's the first one to exit. And it's like a kid's room slash laboratory is how she describes it. I'm paraphrasing, but she says something to that yeah. effect. Okay, This is a lab, but there are also lots of toys around. Why and holy cripes is that not creepy as hell? Yeah, which 
they're back in that room multiple times later because I because that's I'm surprised the how off, how often I saw the TARDIS in the background. I was like, yeah. oh right, it's the room that the TARDIS was in. Didn't realize that was this room sort of thing. And I can't I can't even remember really what was in there and why they kept coming back to it because I don't think they were ever going back to the TARDIS. People just kept wandering into this room like it was a bedroom. Yeah, you're right. Is that the room where later on where Smith's human husk is is left along with Pritchard and Gwendolyn and their own the sheets is that the TARDIS room oh I think you're right yeah it's kind of like this is where we freeze ourselves until tomorrow room yeah well this is like what happens the husk I'm assuming it's a hollow shell that's what it is right the husk concept is amazing by the way but I'm assuming that he sort of slithers out of his own skin I mean and yeah no longer needs to wear sunglasses this this husk doesn't have a butt (laughs) yeah (laughs) Oh my god, you're right! How does he... Maybe it's like old-timey PJs. Like the thing that Muddy McFly wears in Back to the Future 3. Like it has the little <laughs> flap on the ass. So he just opens up his butt and he slides out of it, closes his butt again. Done. Puts his suit back on. Puts the suit back onto the husk. He, does he come out naked or does he come out wearing a fresh suit? Oh, dude. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he must come out surely. naked. But then he has to get a new suit every time. <laughs> he gets a new suit, so he's wandering around like naked and gross and slimy because he's got the his old insides on his new outsides. Oh, his suit is broken, <laughs> torn because he flew out of its ass, and now he has to redress his hollow husk self. Amazing! You know, you remember that Nord Point One that I had added and then subtracted? I'm adding it back in. This is great, flawless show. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Okay. I can sense well, I don't convincing know. you. I don't know where we were with stuff, to be honest. But since we're talking about husks, yes. how does a husk move? Yeah, this is a good point. This is a very good point. And they seem to be... I mean, are they sentient? They're husks. Are they... Yeah. They, they just be skin, exoskeleton, whatever. Like, they're not... Yeah, exactly. nothing in them. Yeah. Huh. You don't you don't eat the husk uh, of coconut. It's the outside. Yeah, yeah, no, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Uh you are right, yes. But they are also meant to they are somehow sentient. Like the bug and the reptile in the basement, they know what they're doing, right? And human husk Josiah Smith. He knows what he's doing. He's holding on to Ace. He grabs onto her. So he yeah. is, they're still somehow in control. So maybe they aren't perfectly hollow. Maybe it's almost like a two cells splitting apart, duplicated. Then maybe that's kind of what's happening. They call them doppelgangers or divisions or so. don't call them husks. But personality-wise, they are husks of their former selves. But uh, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't make sense. Because they're not, behave- yeah, they turn into weird automatons, you know. That's true. Okay, a follow-up husk question. Why do the bug and reptile husks' heads explode? Is it actually both of them? I knew one of them exploded. and I Oh, was maybe it's just one, I'm sorry. Bigs. Exact same question. <laughs> Maybe it is just one of them, but in that case, what happens to the other? I don't know. Maybe they did both. I just saw I just saw an explosion, and I honestly couldn't be asked to rewind at this point. But it was just like, oh, what the fuck was that? Oh, right, that was a d- d- distraction. Now, yeah, Ace is free. All the tables have turned. Yay, good guys win. It was like literally because of an exploding husk head, and it was by all accounts on this podcast at least <laughs> unexplained why the husk head exploded. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it is. is. It? Yeah, no, I, yes, that's gonna, true. I don't think it? we find it. Was there another gun? Oh, wait, this is when Josiah goes into the spaceship and he's got his gun trained on Ace. And maybe Doc rushes him, so he lifts the gun. It's no longer pointed at her head. It's now accidentally, coincidentally, it's pointed at one of the husks' heads. He fires it. It's hollow cranium explodes, falls to the ground. The other husk is just there, I guess. What happens to Josiah at the end? Is he just one of the people traveling around now? No, he gets put in the cage. He devolves and gets put in the cage. Wait, what does he devolve to? I don't remember this bit. <laughs> or maybe he doesn't devolve. Either way, they put a leash on him and then lead him into the cage. I'm pretty sure that he gets trapped. The way the control was trapped before, he will now be trapped. I, my note was, Josiah points a gun at Ace's head, and yeah. Husk's head explodes, and Josiah is in- incapacitated, question mark. And then we move on to, suddenly, Nimrod, Redvers, and Control piloting a spaceship, and they're going to have adventures. Yes, yeah. they're <laughs> basically Doc and the fam in a TARDIS. Yeah. Because, what's his face, Quartermain, he is basically the Doctor. This Nimrod point, yes. And, yeah, Nimrod and Control are like his companions. Or Control yeah. might be sort of like his partner, as in romantic partner, because there's some spark between those two. Yeah. This is basically... Oh my god! Okay, alright, check this... Okay, well, <laughs> I think I just came in my pants. Check this out. Quartermain is the Doctor. Nimrod is like any one of the companions who are from slightly more olden days. He's like Jamie, wee little Jamie, and Control, who is very rapidly evolving, is like Zoe, maybe, or someone like that. So like a very clever, okay. intelligent, you know, yes. standing companion. The spaceship is clearly like the TARDIS, and now they're going to travel around at least space, maybe time, I'm not entirely sure. They could have their own show. So if this is the very last episode of Doctor Who to ever be filmed, it's filmed with a clone of the show going off on their own adventures in space. You think someone has got an eye on a spin-off? <laughs> I don't know if it's a direct spin-off or if it's just a symbolic thing. I wonder if it's a, uh, you know what, this is this is what we've got, so how can we make sure that Doctor Who lives forever? Here's how we do it. Interesting. I kind of like the interpretation you're getting from it. I feel like the end of this serial was utter pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's just... I think it was the accumulation of things not making sense then condensed into the last minute and a half. I'm not quite sure how long the time frame was. Yeah. I looked up the transcript stuff as well and what you said about Josiah getting a dog leash around him. I do recall that now. And yeah, it's the idea then he he, he is de-evolving. He, he still looks the same, but Control has him on a leash and she's now had all the elocution les- lessons. No, I should have some yeah, exactly. elocution lessons so I can actually talk properly. And... <laughs> Now, it's like, I think, does the Ace even say it? Like, they swapped positions. Like, she's now very eloquent and he's just a beast. Is so maybe he... In control. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey. So I guess he is on the spaceship with them. He's the so. canine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he is! Yes. They, he, they put a... Are you kidding me? I didn't think about that. You're right. They turn him into a dog. He is canine. I, I feel like they are symbolically cloning that they are they are splitting the doctor who tv show cell in two and one of them is heading off into space to do its own thing undocumented this individual property this this family will live forever it's it's nice symbolism but i can't escape the fact that okay control might be okay with this because god 
knows what these people, species, whatever, are. She's apparently super evolving, presumably getting smarter by the second. Yeah, probably. Nimrod is still a Neanderthal who has somehow learned English. Yeah. Okay. Redvers is still a Victorian game hunter explorer. And no, these people are not piloting a spaceship. Redvers is not frantically reading the instructions to a spaceship and then is going to fly across the galaxy. No. It's fine. They're going into the nearest sun. Our sun, probably. Or they're just going two feet off the ground and then crashing down again. Like, it's not going to be an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) But we never get to see them crash, so at least we get to live with the hope that they are somewhere out there in space having an adventure. Boldly going where no one has gone before. That they are exploring the universe, and at the end, Quartermain, what's his face? Redverse, Redfern, Redverse, one of those two. Redverse. Red Redverse. He looks at a star map of some sort, right? He looks like a, it's a space map. He's like, oh, there are so many constellations. I think he says, like, there are so many constellations that are still unexplored. We must go. We will go to all of them. You know, something to that effect. That's yeah. I'm more on board with this show than I realized. That's great. I don't mind the idea. I just feel like there has to be a run-up to it. Not just at the end. This guy who was under a spell, effectively, hypnotized, whatever, throughout most of it, but by all accounts is... I don't know, not even that charming. He's an explorer, game hunter. I guess it was acceptable in the Victorian area, but he's just a dude. And then suddenly he's quite confident about piloting a spaceship. Your concept of spaceship didn't exist in his world. No. Correct. You are right. There are several steps in between those two that are totally missing. I concede you are a million percent right about that. But yeah, I don't know what my butt argument is. (laughs) I'd still really like it but he's got a nice ass there you go that's your butt argument (laughs) that is a butt argument he's he's similarly like the doctor the way that it wasn't the last one it was two episodes ago the circus greatest show in the galaxy where there was another dude who was clearly a copy of the doctor he was also kind of an explorer he was wearing a safari hat whatever they're called i can't remember what that you know those. oh yeah yeah he's wearing one of those hats that's it yeah thank you he had a human no he had a humanoid companion and he had traveled everywhere he had explored he was just interested in seeing more of the world it's the exact same kind of trope that's been copy-pasted into this serial. I'm totally fine with it. Absolutely you know what, actually? With it. Sorry, I'll let you finish your point, and then I will... No, no, please, go ahead. Back. Please, please. Well, I say, thinking about it that way, is it's rubbing me up the wrong way in a different way. Oh, no. Because you're right. This is the second time they're trying to make it seem like the Doctor's equal is an explorer from an old-time era. And they're probably they're probably the same era, give or take. And that's not what I see in the Doctor. I don't see someone who's just exploring for the sake of exploring and okay. fuck all else. I see someone that is trying to change things, like to do... Yeah, help people solve problems. Help people, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's not what explorers are about. And definitely not historically. They were about going over, finding stuff, not giving a shit about the people that were already there, and, yeah, making a mess of things. Like, that's not a parallel to draw with the Doctor. In my mind, at least. Yes, that is true. That is true. I think the old-timey aspect of it, the, like, oh, this is an old explorer, as in, sorry, the old part of old explorer, I think that harkens back to earlier Doctors, where they're wearing, like, pretty much, like, just old-timey clothes. Hartnell isn't dressed as though he's from 1963. Troughton isn't dressed like he's from 1960. 
65 or whenever it was 66 so they are kind of victorian gentlemen like that's the archetype that they embodied from the very beginning so i think that's why we are constantly slightly behind at some point i don't know when it kind of takes over it might be it might be pertwee actually pertwee is kind of with the times he's just the velour guy or velvet guy tom baker is his own thing yeah yeah five and six are very much in the present day yeah Seven is actually also very much in the present day. He's wearing that little slip over thing. Like, yeah, no. Like, yeah. Originally, the roots are he is super old timey because he's been alive since forever and he's been on Earth since goodness knows how long. And yeah, I don't know. I think that works. Quartermain in this one even does a celebrity name drop. He goes, hey, I used to hang out with Conan Doyle and he laughed at the dinosaurs, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, holy shit, this is what Doc does. I'm almost convinced that that's what they're trying to do here. I get what you're saying. Quartermain here never tries to help anyone. He doesn't do that. He just wants to learn. It's like it's a very selfish endeavor for him. He just wants to see the universe and everyone else is there to enable him to do that. Whereas Doc is like, fuck it, I want to help someone. Even when they don't want me to help them, I'm going to force them into a haunted house just to help them. Slash, because I'm a curious mf -er. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know what, what argument I was trying to make there, but... I think, even though he doesn't try and help one, Quartermain in this is probably a closer parallel than Pith Helmet Guy from a mm. couple of serials ago, because he was just ruthless in his own preservation, like, and that wasn't cool at all, and I, I do true, think, yeah. like, it, I think if both of these had been your observations, I didn't see them so much watching them, but I do agree with what you're saying, that even if it wasn't intentional on behalf of the writers and the production team, there are very, very obvious parallels i just i don't know it just bothers me that if it is intentional these are the parallels that they're going to it's like oh yeah <laughs> an old-timey explorer that historically we know factually we know fucked up everything weren't helping people yep. we're all about self you know yep. glory and just intrigue i guess yeah exactly and probably wherever he went considered himself to be somewhat of an ubermensch like you just thought that yeah. it was worth more than the indigenous population of whichever country he had stepped into yeah it's fraught with complication for sure, but I think that's at least what they're trying to do. They're failing maybe, but I think that's what they're aiming for. Okay, t take us somewhere else. Uh, where are we going? Well, I was just going to hover on a couple of things to do with Redverse, which okay. I don't quite understand. So, well, more things that kind of happen to him or whatever. But one is, why is he put in that room with a weird light box? And what yeah, was what that? Yeah, what is that keeping? light box? Don't know. This is a house that is. <laughs> We're told at every opportunity, about that. light You're bad, yeah. <laughs> light bad, light bad. <laughs> Smith doesn't like light. The nope. people he's hypnotized don't like light, and just yet like, they just hang out at night. Redvers put him in yeah. the room with light, and then yeah. they're quite willing to play along with Doc at some point, and they go find Redvers and open the door, and then are all like, "Oh my god, the light!" I don't know. That whole thing was just what the fuck. So that's I'm, part. I'm one. gonna look up that box on Tardis Wiki. In the meantime, because okay. I had completely forgotten about it, and you're absolutely right, that makes no sense. And the part two would be, where does the romance side of this Redvers control storyline come from? Because I felt like it was just, control was over there having elocution lessons, Redvers was over here, I don't think anything happening at all. He just popped up in the scene. Suddenly they're all around this dinner table, which I'd actually like to talk about that dinner table as well. Then Redvers oh, nice. goes, yeah, yeah. oh, you're, you're speaking nice Queen's English now. Would you like to come see the Queen? <laughs> 
Okay, so wait, there's a lot there. Right? There's a lot. Right, so let's establish what the bullet points are so that we don't forget any of these bullet points for later. Number one, snuffbox. Number two, dinner table. Number three, the relationship between Redverse, Redfern, Redverse, Redverse. God damn it. Redverse and control. Was there another one? Have I already forgotten a bullet point? Those are definitely the main three, I think. Okay. I might have forgotten everything. Which one of those three are we starting with? Ah, take your pick. I've laid it all down. You go for it. Okay. The relationship between Redverse and Control. When he meets Control, he relays an anecdote about I don't know if it's himself or if it's some other explorer, but they went to some country that isn't Great Britain and therefore not great and really primitive or whatever. This is the negative side of that era of explorer, right? And he says the most, something to the effect of the most handsome woman the person he's talking about saw there was the chieftain's daughter. She was great, except she had a bone through her nose and she had just eaten her cousin or something like that. Wow. He insinuates that us explorers can easily fall for the sort of quote-unquote primitive woman... (laughs) who has a lot of evolving left to do, like someone who can be molded in a Pygmalion-esque way. And that's when he starts falling for her. Because she is, at that point, not fully evolved into a human. She no longer has the weird head bone thing, but she's, as in, like, the skull, whatever, the thing that you think is just a cloak, I think yeah. is an extra skull. But, yeah, I think he starts to fall for her there because he's like, oh, she's not a Victorian lady. I can mold her i can teach her all this pygmalion shit and that's it that's why he makes her his plus one yeah okay he is he is not coming across well in this no no he's a massive massive tool yeah no i'm not saying i agree with no no yeah like to be clear i don't think you're right i think you're right yeah But I think that explains their relationship. I found that. Anything else about that bullet point? Or have I just solved it? (laughs) I mean, I think you've you've given his motivation. Okay. Also known as Redvers, the rowdy roddering asshole. I don't know. Couldn't get another arm there. Who likes to groom primitives. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Slightly problematic background. For our faux doctor, yeah. Indeed, yes. Yeah, I found that bit of the transcript, and it was pretty much exactly what you said. And then Control's reply to this at the time. Red versus talking about himself in the third person at this point, by the way. And mm-hmm. Control responds Classic. like, Will Control be ladylike? Want so much? Dear God, the script. It's painful. Can I have the freeness? I want the freeness. <laughs> oh God, the freeness, yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. Love it. It's so freaking good. Okay, <laughs> next bullet point. Snuffbox. Right, so I'm not sure the timeline fully works, but at some point, the snuffbox belongs to Redverse. Quatermain. Quatermass. Take your pick. He, that's his, his snuffbox. He's wandering around this house. He's like, doop 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 I'll check out the basement. He goes into the basement. He presses some button and some of that light pours out onto him while he's got his snuffbox. Somehow he, well, he goes nutso. They lock him up in the, whatever, in the attic. He loses his snuffbox in the process. When Doc and Ace find the snuffbox, they check it and realize that it is radioactive. And when he turns his back onto Doc and Ace, Doc 
handily scans him as well and finds that he also is radioactive. Yes. I don't know if that proves anything, but I'm willing to bet that some of the light that shone onto him got stuck in the snuff box. Like, that is... The character of light isn't usually a humanoid. He's literally just light. He's like energy. That's what his natural state is. He's just energy. Some of the energy is in the snuff box. I yield my time, Your Honor. (laughs) Yeah, I would retrospectively take that as an explanation to what I watched. I I would also submit to the jury that in the sequence of events that unfold during the serial, that was not clear. (laughs) I'm I'm willing to put my hands up and saying I didn't get the most out of this because I'm dumb. Like maybe maybe that's what's happened. It's very possible that I'm making this up. I think you're probably right, because it was otherwise a red herring about his snuffbox. And there was this whole thing about radiation, and I kind of I kind of liked the detail that Doc had the radiation-detecting gun, and then that comes back around again as a prop, and Doc's using it as a fake gun. Yes. And then even we get the extra detail where Josiah Smith knew all along that it wasn't really a gun, but I don't know why he was playing along with that anyway. But I don't know, I kind of liked, like, this is the thing with this series. Like, I like bits of it. I just didn't enjoy the whole. Just didn't really connect. Yeah. And that's, Do you feel... But more of it is connecting. Now we're talking. So it's good. Okay, well, I'm very glad to hear that. Do you feel that... Yeah, this is a three-parter. Do you feel that the three parts are equally or similarly weighted? Are they as good as each other? Or does any part stand out for you? Or does any part stand out as bad to you? Honestly, I've watched them all back-to-back. And I can't quite pick them apart at the moment in my brain. Maybe they're did quite you... equally weighted. Yeah, did you feel like there was more... I guess I have just on record said that the ending was absolute pants. I think, to be honest, I think when light turns up, maybe things go a bit downhill. I think I agree with you. I think Act 3 is so different to 1 and 2. Yeah. So light showing up as this glowing deus ex machina is a little bit of a letdown. And also there are... I mean, someone's going to hate me for this, but... Is it just me or are there too many just women fighting in part three? Like There are so many scenes of either Gwendolyn, Pritchard, or Ace, as in like any two of them fighting, like physically fighting, and there's no dialogue, yeah. there's no, there's no like cleverness to them. It's just Ace goes into a room and talks to someone and then Gwendolyn shows up and jumps on her or they fight on the bed or they fight on the floor and I don't know what the point of that is. I would have preferred to have Ace talk to them <laughs> or yeah. or something. I would have preferred to have seen some other kind of problem resolution there rather than just, okay, there are lots of characters here, the men can all discuss but the women can only jump on each other and sort of claw at each other with their nails. That was that was a little bit of a letdown as well, I think, for part three. But but otherwise, actually, maybe I'm kind of with you here that it's a fairly well-balanced story. Like, imagine if this had been a four-parter. I would have shot myself as a three-parter. This really works. I mean, agree to disagree, but yes. <laughs> but my, my notes in part three, I just have a load of stuff about light. And then I have a load of, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Because, yeah, it just felt like things were coming out of the blue, left, right, and center. This is the episode in the serial where Control just randomly jumps out of a window. Oh, yeah. That happened. happened. That happened. I thought she was going to die. Yeah, it did. (laughs) 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then she's just back brushing her hair. Yeah, it's just nonsense. Just no. And and like my three were the, what the fucks in quick succession. We had Ace basically having a very very brief moment in a corridor of just sort of like I don't know questioning what's happening. She's with the Doctor at this point. He just wanders off, just straight up wanders off, and then she just has an absolute freak out in the corridor. Like this is. I think probably the only time it really turns into a haunted house and then she gets captured and Doc has just wandered off. Yeah, you're right. This is the whole, like, have you ever had a nightmare where you can't move? But then weirdly, I was expecting her to not be able to move. Like, she would be frozen, but then she still turns around and then someone, Gwendolyn shows up and, like, kicks her in the head. Potentially related to a bit of trivia that I read that there were lots of kind of action-y scenes that were cut out of this. The scenes that I saw had been cut, though, were about the... Or they revolved around the police inspector. So there are at least a couple of scenes where the police inspector suddenly shows up. One scene where he shows up and he's like, oh, God, this place is like a madhouse. Another place where he... I think he just runs across a screen, but we don't really understand why. Or he's he's in a rush anyway. We don't understand where he's come from or where he's heading. And that's because there were all these cutscenes that were meant to be shot of kind of scary monstery scenes, but they didn't get shot. Now, maybe something similar had been intended for Ace? I don't know. Now you raise it, I have no idea what the inspector did in this story. Nothing. Should have stayed in the draw. How can Doc just awaken him? I don't know. Like I say, I I don't think I actually quite got it out, but what I was trying to say earlier is I really feel like this serial inhabits its own universe. Like, yeah, the number of things that come up in this with like these creatures that are cataloging and stuff don't have never actually come encountered evolution. Like one of them goes off like control goes off in the spaceship still out there, apparently. And yeah, like, with a Neanderthal with a Neanderthal. Yeah, there's a Neanderthal in the universe. Human explorer. Yeah, like bonkers stuff has just happened. There's kind of the explanation of ghosts being, I don't know, the after effect of one of these beings dispersing into the ether. I don't know. Mm. Like Ace is like her feeling in this house is legitimized. Something happened here. That's what you feel as ghosts. But not so far as like the way Moffat would have done it, where it's like you're questioning everyday things and thinking, I don't know, there's a rational explanation, but it's alien or I don't know. It just felt almost still trying to explain the supernatural. I don't know. Anyway, it's just a little bit far-fetched. I, and not I in think, keeping. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I absolutely get it. And it, I think you are successfully bringing me back down to earth a, a little bit here. I think one way of potentially anchoring this serial in a way that might appeal to you or sort of justify the serial for you would be if at some point we had learned of this haunted house in 1983 in the first place. Like When we show up in this episode, nothing has been substantiated. We don't know that she's burned down a house or that she once walked into a haunted house. We don't know that she's afraid of ghosts. We don't know any of this stuff. This is completely new to us. If we had had all of the information to hand, with perhaps the exception that she burned down the house, so that could be the big reveal in this serial. But if we knew two or three serials ago, oh yeah, she she's afraid of ghosts. Oh, I don't want to go in there. There are ghosts around there. And then slowly but surely we drift feet little hints that oh yeah at one point she went into this house and this is why she doesn't want to go back to Perryvale and this is blah 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 and then we get to this serial and it's a return to her roots it bookends her arc 
this would be the culmination of Ace because she faces yeah. those demons that we've heard about for so long. And then we suddenly learn, oh, they weren't demons at all. They were aliens all along. Nothing to be afraid of. Problem solved. Then I reckon this serial would have been slightly better placed, maybe even better pitched. And maybe you would have liked it a little bit more. I know I would have liked it a little bit more though. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. That is the thing that's sorely lacking in this. Like, despite the fact that we are literally seeing some of the characters evolving on screen, yeah. there isn't a lot of <laughs> character <literally>. development. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no space for it, and I think it's just it's a thing of the era, unfortunately. Yeah, but a story, well, not even a story like this. Aspects of a story like this, the setting of a story like this, lends itself so well to it. Like I said before, this whole little mini mini slice of the Josiah Smith taking over this household, and then they're all under his spell. They're only coming out at night. Then they break break free of it, and then there's the tragedy that they're frozen. Like that in itself is a wonderful little story, and you could dwell on that and expand on it, and it would be great. But then the reason that they're frozen is this: you brought in this other creature called Light, who dropped in at the end or halfway through whenever it was and just changes the scale of everything dramatically and so all of that is not, not important anymore none of those characters are important anymore because now suddenly the threat is that the entire universe might just get destroyed we don't know this guy seems incredibly powerful who knows what the hell is going to happen if he goes oh wait earth's changed right bye bye earth oh wait the universe has changed bye bye universe I exist on a different plane altogether. I'll just inhabit somewhere else. Like, that could be the scale of stuff. It's very unclear. So, yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> that was a ramble more than a ramble was meant to be. But no, I really like it. It's just that was an excellent ramble. No, solid ramble, dude. Did we pick up all three points from earlier? <laughs> Oh my god, that's such a good point. Wait, what were they? Romance, we snuffbox, oh, shit bongos. What was the third one? I forgot. Dinner. The middle one. You wanted to talk about the dinner table. The dinner. Yeah. Because this is very incongruous as well. Like, <laughs> light has escaped. This is something Josiah Smith really, 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 really did not want to happen. Yeah. Now it's yeah. just around the house. Yeah. Light is just illuminating all over the place. And Josiah Smith turns up for dinner. And then so does everyone else. And he's expecting Light to show up for dinner as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Like, yeah, because Doc no. goes, the guest of honor hasn't arrived. And he even says, like, no, Light will arrive for dinner. Something like that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no. You hate so, Light. You don't want Light as... to be there. Did I fall asleep at the end of the chapter? And we're starting on a different different part now? Yeah, I missed, I missed a few pages here, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no, you are right. That is a massive flaw. I, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to deduct. I'm going to deduct 0.1. I'm back to, I'm back to having deducted 0.1. <laughs> oh, wow. No, yes, just, so true. Yeah. Are, we, are we basically playing tennis with your 0.1? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay. All right. Further about the dinner. At this dinner, they are serving soup, primordial soup, to be. Oh yes. Size. So I, does that I mean like... that technically light is serving dinner? Well, this is yes. You're right. Light made the inspector the primordial soup to serve up. Yeah. I think he was in the kitchen. Maybe. Actually, was he when he was taking the maid apart? Was that the kitchen? Oh, maybe. So maybe it's the maid and the police inspector. He's turned them into soup for dinner. They're the starter. So why doesn't Josiah Smith, why doesn't he sit down at the table and go, hmm, it's weird, I thought we were having a roast turkey tonight. It's odd. <laughs> Chef must have had a moment of inspiration. <laughs> like, yeah. But also, who else is there? There is no one else around, right? There are a couple of maids yeah. and that's it. I don't know. There are maids that live in cupboards in the wall. 
Oh my god, that's true. So the maids are probably mesmerized the same way that Gwendolyn and Lady Bridget yeah. were mesmerized. They're all armed as well. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, that's never explained. Yeah, you're right. That okay. is never explained. For disclosure, this this was going to be my thing, like coming into this recording, and then I kind of forgot. But also, just it never came up. But yeah, I was I was basically coming here saying is when I learned that this writer, what what is his name? That's that's Matt Mark Mark Platt. Platt. Yeah, who has since gone on to write a load of big finish stuff and yes, including stuff we have reviewed on Who Back When, which I don't know how you reviewed it, whether it was good or not. But I, I don't remember either. I'm gonna look he's, it up. Actually. He's made a career out of this or a semi career, whatever. But at this point, when he wrote this serial, had no commercial experience whatsoever, and his only writing experience, like that was. Was known according to Tardis Wikia was fan fiction and when I read that fact honestly things fell into place this, <laughs> this okay. fell in hindsight like someone who is a fan of stuff fan of Doctor Who right. fan of Hammer Horror fan of, fan of various tropes and all of those made their way into this story and that's yeah that's that's that is what i was gonna come up with originally was like why it feels disconnected and i don't know maybe that's really harsh and i wouldn't have necessarily thought that if i didn't realize that was a detail of the writer i'm not sure but it really really kind of sent a light up in my head of just yeah like someone thought wouldn't it be cool if someone's been turned into primordial soup and they're being served for dinner doesn't make sense but wouldn't it be cool wouldn't it be cool if two people turn out to be like they're presented as maid and ward turn out to be mother and daughter and then are turned into stone yeah doesn't make sense but it'd be cool that is really cool and i think it does kind of make sense <laughs> okay and the weird, uh, horrifically dark backstory of theirs of they don't even know that they are mother and daughter. They don't even know that the father slash husband, husband slash father, was killed and not sent to Java. I mean, goodness knows how he was killed. We have no idea what happened to him, but it's pretty horrific. They've been enslaved for a long, long time. Yeah, I think that's all pretty cool, actually. I've, I've looked up what the two other stories are that Mark Platt has written. And one yeah. of them absolutely falls into the same category that you're just describing, the fan fiction, like the kind of story that someone who writes fan fiction would write. And that is An Earthly Child. So obviously the very first story, well, post-pilot. No, actually, no, the pilot. An Unearthly Child. Yeah. About Susan, yada, yada, yada. Fast forward to Dalek Invasion of Earth. Doc leaves Susan behind on post-apocalyptic Earth with some dude, some potato farmer, just leaves her there. An Earthly Child with Paul McGann, written by Mark Platt, is a return to Susan. To, to uh... public. Hey, the eighth Doctor goes and meets Susan. You know that character we haven't seen forever? You thought I'd forgotten, but she does exist. Very fan fiction-y, right? So it's a reunion between those two, and it turns out she now has a kid. In the years since he last saw her, she's had a child. An earthly child. That's Mark Platt's first one. Drew and I reviewed that. I give it 3.1. Drew gave it 2.4. And then okay. the other one is Relative Dimensions, which is a Christmas episode. And I give it 1.2. Drew gave it 1.4. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Mark, if you're listening. Well, but... I finished the Christmas stuff. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, they've, they've done some Christmas stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Eighth Doctor Adventures in general, is they're all yeah. pretty, pretty great. And everything needs to be taken with a pinch of salt, obviously. But I kind of see where you're coming from. Like, someone who writes fan fiction, this is exactly the kind of stuff that they would mm. write. I mean, weirdly, I would prefer this than making the eighth 
Doctor, the Eighth Doctor, yeah. go back to say hello to Susan? From Susan's point yeah. of view, the fuck? Yeah, she <laughs> hasn't regenerated, by the way. So I, I assume not. Who's this yeah. young man who's probably roughly my age? It's very attractive. Oh fuck, he's my granddad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And it's, what, yeah. 800 years or so? I don't know. Like, Seventh Doctor is already talking multi, multi... Well, for him, yeah. ...hundreds of years. And, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, from her point of view, like, she finds that detail, and it's like, the fuck, Grandad? You couldn't check in on eight in 800 years. This is yeah. when it was first convenient for you to come and say hello to your granddaughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Have a listen to a review of An Earthly Child. I, As I recall, that's a very... Oh, yeah, go for it. I wonder if we refer to this when we find out that it's written by Mark Platt. I wonder if we go, oh, shit, you wrote a classic story. That's that's pretty impressive. I don't know. I'll have to listen to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to... Okay, check this out. I've got two bullet points, two questions. They may be super easy answers or no answer kind of questions. And then I got a couple of good lines. So, question number one. You know when the stuffed animals, the taxidermied animals around the house... In fact, I think we get to see this the very first time that we go to this house... You know how their eyes glow? Yeah. Why? Don't know. Right. (laughs) I... Uh, that's fair enough. Really thought that, that would CCTV? be a yeah. I thought it would be some kind of someone's watching type thing, and then we yeah. never see that. I don't think so either. I mean, at one point there are in that oh, do you ever have a nightmare where you can't move? Scene. One of the animals, maybe it's a bird next to Ace. Its eyes light up, and then yeah. Gwendolyn shows up. Like maybe she's been watching, but why would she need birds to do that? Also, she's she's one of the weird mesmerized servants. She doesn't. She's not in control of any kind of machinery. Anyway, yeah, it makes yeah, sense. I don't know. Okay, question number two. Possibly equally easy to answer or not. At one point, Ace opens a drawer and all the creepy crawlies inside of it have awoken. Why? Well, maybe that is explained by the unexplained aspect of how Ooh. Doc woke up the inspector. Whatever Doc did oh. to wake up the inspector, he accidentally woke up all of the frozen bugs. Ah, interesting. I mean, they're not frozen. You also get to see, like, they're dead. Yeah, exactly. Or they are frozen in time the way that the inspector is frozen in time. As in, he's... It's like being cryogenically frozen. He's not dead, but he is just suspended animation. I guess, I mean, that's the idea. I mean, that's obviously what's meant to have happened to the inspector, but I don't know. It kind of loses half the effect when you pull out a drawer and it's a butterfly collection like any other butterfly collection. Like, it's not that those have been in suspended animation. That's what anyone would have done with a dead butterfly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this makes me wonder if the priest, whatever his name is, Father Ted, it makes me wonder if he is in suspended animation or if he is actually dead and turned into an ape man. I assumed he was like under control of Smith. Like he was just. So he's now forced... forever just in a living hell. Yeah, what happens to him now that Smith is turned into a dog and everyone's going off on a spaceship? <laughs> No idea. Yeah, that's pretty dark stuff. Okay, great, great. Those are my two questions. Yeah, <laughs> Do you want to hear some good lines? Yeah, come on then. All right, let's end on something positive. Light travels at the speed of thought. Already said that. I think that's really clever. How does light move so fast? It travels at the speed of thought. Great, great stuff. Oh, well written, Mark Platt. Of course, if she were a real lady, I wouldn't be in her boudoir. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, okay. Tricky things, mammoths. From the police inspector. Great. 
Really? Am I a yeah. tough crowd? Holy shit. That's, no, 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 that's great. Nice, okay, 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 okay. Doc going don't have the soup, which is not only hilarious, but insinuates that Doc knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, that is definitely a recurring thing with the Seventh Doctor. Like, there are a lot true, of things nice. written where he says something where he knows what's going on. He's not behaving always like he knows what's going on. There isn't a clear plan. Ace doesn't know what's going on. But that's yeah. that's what's happening. Okay. Just a thing. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, end of good lines. I'm sure there were other ones, but... <laughs> there is the another ones are... <gasps> There is yes, one right. important one, because... Let's hear it. This could be the only time they directly quote Hitchhikers. I don't know. In fact, I'm not quite sure if it's a direct... Oh my god, yes! Is this the, why do you never invite your relatives to dinner or something? Well, it's not in the form of the question, but yes. Earthmen never invite their ancestors around to dinner. That's what it is, yes. Sorry. Horrible paraphrase. I... Thought. Yes. I think the Hitchhikers quote would be more... I, I would look it up... I'm just going to bastardize it instead. Like, Earthmen aren't particularly proud of their ancestors or something like that and never invite them around to dinner. Like, I think it's a longer right. bit, but it's paraphrased here. And for some reason, it's written, and Doc says, like, who was it that said? And then quotes it. Yeah. It's it's really weird. It's like a, an obvious quote out to something that is only a few years old at this point, I think. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Terranations, he's still around. So is, is this... Is this another case of they know that the show is coming to an end and they want to put a couple of homages in there, a few doffs of the hat to people who have been seminal drivers of this franchise while it's still been thriving and alive? Maybe, yeah. I was actually just wondering when the TV Beautiful and sad. Oh, good question, yeah. I mean, I haven't read any trivia if they knew like this was kind of like the writings on the wall or not. I would imagine so. So 91 actually was the uh, was the TV series of Hitchhikers. And we're in 89 now at this point, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a good eight years, actually, after the, even the TV show. The radio show was before that. So it, it's not like... Well, the TV show was 81. Is that what you said? 81? Yeah, yeah. So it was right. eight years before this. Yeah. Right. Oh, I think there's a beautiful note to cap this review with. We would try to numerically rate this bad boy. That sounds spiffing. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Kablamatron podcast land, and welcome to the hour listener mini section of this podcast episode. Pull up a chair, have a seat, pour yourself a nice make it a Negroni, why don't you? And have a listen. Well, it is up to us to somehow summarize our feelings about this episode, and it falls upon Jim Cakes to do so first. Jim Cakes, take it away. Why, thank you, Miss Leon. Yes, Leon came back from our little break with his finger firmly on the tip of his nose. So I'm going first. Well, I know we just do like thumbs up, thumbs down stuff. I actually wrote some things for this. Oh, let's hear it. I looked up Nimrod because before we started recording, I think Leon reminded me just in an offhand comment way that, yeah, Nimrod means something. And actually, king, right? two different things, depending on oh. your take. So, yeah, I'm going to break this serial <laughs> apart into the different ways Nimrod can be defined. So on the one hand, Nimrod is a descendant of Ham, represented in Genesis as a mighty hunter and a king of Shinar's, probably mispronounced it anyway. But on the other hand, Nimrod is slang for idiot or jerk. That's right. Yeah. So those two aspects could be perhaps represented in a serial. There are some mighty aspects. You've got the idea of a family trapped by a villain and only briefly exposed to their true torment before being cast to stone for the rest of eternity. That is quite mighty a concept. We've got 
imprisoned being that upon release realizes that the universe it knew and loved has gone because it evolved and changed. Don't like change. But the student that's forced to come to terms with her destructive actions and recognize that the fear was the thing that led her to it, but nothing else. And then we had the other side, because that, that's not actually really what I saw when I watched this serial. What I saw was the doctor being a jerk to Ace. I saw the idiotic schemes of a super evolving being with access to a spacecraft who wanted to have tea with the Queen. And I saw a butler whose name lent itself to this very review you are listening to who should by any sane definition have been a complete idiotic jumble of ape and man, but walked about this script like a king. And there we go. That's as poetic as I'm getting. I don't know. I've summed it up throughout this serial. I just didn't understand a lot of it. It frustrated me. There are good bits here. I've accepted there are more good bits than I originally thought, at the very least. I finished watching this and wrote down just a single vertical line to represent my feeling. But I have added to it. In fact, I have doubled it to two out of five. Oh my goodness. Oh, you doubled your score. That is absolutely terrific. Holy moly. There we go. It's it's in writing. I've added a two next to your name. Oh, that's a beautiful mini. Possibly the most poetic mini we have had on Who Back When to date. Oh, (laughs) no, it's just... The most poetic I've got, because I'm not just like, oh, that thing was good, that thing was bad. <laughs> anyway. I love that you managed to somehow double your appreciation of this serial over the past hour and two hours, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really good stuff. <laughs> right, okay. Well, I should start for my part by saying that, as you may recall, I really enjoy these Hammer Horror-esque serials. I think they're terrific. I will a million percent, if not re-watch, then certainly re-listen to our reviews of State of Decay and Horror Fang Rock, which I've listened back to a couple of times, actually, after this, even if just to live vicariously through our past selves. And I think that this serial does all the things that I really appreciate about a hammerish Doctor Who serial really well. The The ambiance is terrific, for starters. The production value is pretty solid. Yes, a couple of the exterior shots of the castle are pretty obviously just a still image, but whatever. <laughs> that Josiah Smith husk mask looks badass. Isn't that amazing? I didn't even realize at first that it was going to be another person wearing a mask of his face. Can someone tell me what the bug person cosplay is called? Because I'm going to be entering those keywords into a search engine I cannot mention on this podcast. I am on board. We somehow didn't even talk about Sly McCoy at all in this review. Uh, He's doing a fabulous job. A fabulous job of overacting, that is. His grimace work (laughs) is chef's kiss par excellence. Ace also really good. Another thing that I appreciate about this serial and about her performance in is that they've sort of toned down the otherwise occasionally overbearing oh my god old man I'm so young and hip you don't even you, you, you can't even dig it dog you know that shtick that she does which can actually grate on me at times the bad guys sweet dicks are they ever amazing Josiah in sunglasses is so menacing a mesmerized Lady Pritchard is a devious witch mesmerized Gwendolyn is so psychotic everyone is good the wait staff that shows up during the day one presumes to cook and bring groceries yeah groovy 
The only person that I don't like is Light. I wish there were a little less of that in the serial. Overall, to me, this is, yeah, it's an atmospheric, well-crafted story. Probably has no more logical plot holes than we usually attribute to these serials. And all the bits in between that we sort of, that we encounter in between narrative crevices, they're quite enthralling to me. I, I like it. Greatest asset, ambience, ambience, a million times ambience. Biggest flaw, Ace's backstory, sadly neglected, but given that this is the last serial to be produced ever it goes without saying that is through no fault of Mark Platts thank you very much Mark if you're listening main takeaway hmm, the more <laughs> the more I think about it the potential symbolism of an unwritten Doctor Who sort of clone or evolution ah yeah uh, evolution of Doctor Who I Traveling across the universe, having adventures entirely on its own accord. It's actually just, there's a lot of heart and thought that's got into that, if that's the case. Yeah, oh, I think that's I think that's lovely. Well done, Mark Platt, and oh my god, well done, BBC and Doctor Who. I am giving this, <clears throat> this stunning, unfanfared death rattle of Doctor Who at the tender age of 26. I am giving it a rating of, if I could, I'm, I've talked myself up. <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, I am talking myself up. I'm giving this a rating of 4.2 dinners and copies of The Times. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Okay. I really wish I'd stuck with a one. <laughs> it would have just been an amazing... Just the bars on the... Whatever, the classic Who episode review Shazam bit is called. Would have been incredible. Very good. Oh, my God. Uh, oh. Awesome, awesome mini. <laughs> I was going to give this a 4.1 before I started my mini. Sorry, mid-mini, I was giving this a 4.1. Before I started this mini, I was giving this a 4.0 because you had talked me up and then down, then up and then down, and then I talked myself up again anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to regret this rating, but I don't care. It's great. <laughs> I, but, I just want to, sorry, yeah. just dwell Please. on a tiny bit of your review. I just can't quite recall, but I have a feeling you were not on board with the whole Clara in a diner going off as oh, the new know. experience of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That is really true. You are right. <laughs> and that is a character who had legitimately been in previous serials shown to take the place of the Doctor. Like, yeah. the 2D episode, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you're right. I can't argue against that. You're absolutely right. Some things just come from the heart, not the head. It's fine. <laughs> That's the thing. You're, no, you're absolutely right. Um, shit bongos. <laughs> I think it's largely romanticized here because this is the end of Doctor Who. There is no more Doctor Who after this, this era. I mean, there are on air, but after they yell, cut, check the gate, it's done. There is no nothing else. So the fact that if Clara had done that at the end of New Who, I think I would have felt the exact same. I don't quite believe you, but I'll let you off. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho... <laughs> Dudemeister, who else has opinions about this serial that we know of? Oh my goodness, I hear them coming. Oh, it's Podcast Land. Hello, Podcast Land. Fancy meeting you here. <laughs> this love is now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamadoodles, and welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. Holy smokeries and cheesecakes. I think I may have said on the website that we were going to be reviewing a, and possibly on Twitter as well, that we were going to review a new Who episode tonight. So we have slightly fewer mini reviews than, than we usually do. Sorry about that, anyone who wanted to send something in. 
So this time we have six listener minis, and we're going to do the usual thing. Three in full, three in snips. Who's first, Jim Cakes? First up, we've got Mr. Kieran Evans. Hello, Kieran. What up, Kieran? Kieran starts the cream of Scotland Yard. Oh, that's another good line. (laughs) (laughs) Often cited as one of the most confusing stories. Personally, I don't think so, but it really does help to be able to rewatch it. Yes, this is what I'm learning. Thankfully, this isn't the 60s and 70s when it would have been at one chance or you missed it, and we can do so at our leisure from the Blu-ray or other medium of choice. Ghost Flight is the final story produced in the classic run, with the final scene shot being Gwendolyn and her mother being turned to stone. Seems quite a metaphor. Like a lot of McCoy's run, this one had a lot of deleted scenes, which once again leads to choppy editing. Unfortunately, unlike Batfield and others... These don't survive in broadcast quality to be reinserted, so no special edition this time round. Kieran continues, The science is nonsensical, but the atmosphere is wonderfully creepy, and the overall message of change will happen no matter what you try to do to stop it fills the story. Heavy on metaphor, you do have to be in the right mood for this one. Oh look, Michael Cochran, last seen in Black Orchid, also in a large posh house. Oh yeah. Wait, who who was he in Black Orchid? I looked him up, actually. He was, like, one of the main chaps. So his brother was the guy that was locked away. Oh, right. He was, he was the brother we actually got to saw who wasn't deformed. Right, right, right. Michael Cochran here is Josiah, right? I'm no, wrong. he's, he's, he's Redverse. Oh, he's Redverse. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, cool. Nice. Definitely some parallels with Black Orchid. Uh, anywho, uh, nice one, Kieran. Anywho, Kieran continues... More backstory for Ace with the story about Manisha, expanded media disagrees on whether she died or not, and Ace burning down the house. This story, the first part of an unintentional trilogy on Ace, unintentional as the next story was originally down to open season 26. It's a little messy, says Kieran, but uh, I like it. 4.0 out of 5 being sent to Java. Yeah, she is Kieran. (laughs) It's your friend that mostly agrees with you. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Thank you very much, Kieran. Dude Meister, what am I going to do this weekend? I don't own a car, and if I were to rent a car, it would use up a lot of petrol, be really expensive, and I would have to travel multiple times to transport all the stuff that I have to transport from A to B. What can I do? Sounds like you need one of them electric vans. Yeah, the place to go for them is at KJE Vans 2. For all your Ivan needs. Thank you, Kieran. Twice. <laughs> Who's next? Next up, the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zunich. <laughs> Hello, Peter. Hello there, Peter. Peter starts. There comes a time when Doctor Who must evolve, becoming more than a children's science fiction show. This story definitely leaves that increasingly inaccurate description behind for good, often billed as one of the most confusing stories ever made. The truth is that this story grows and changes with every viewing. This is what Doctor Who can be, what it should be. It's a fast-paced, complex, mind-bending examination of period, subject, and character. Angels here aren't weeping. Don't blink, because almost every line holds something vital to the story. If there's a criticism to be made, it's that they did too good of a job packing such massive content into a small 
small package. Peter continues, it's hard to call out any actor as shining because everyone is essentially perfect. Every character is a complete lunatic, with exceptions of Doc, Ace, and Nimrod, who are all just brilliant. The sets, props, music, and wardrobe are all flawless. The ultimate kick, though, is the directing. For the first time in quite a while, it's simply outstanding. Perhaps the biggest flaw of this story, says Peter, is when this expedition was undertaken. We, as an audience, have grown and this would serve so much better in modern Who than it did when it was made. It's the perfect rewatchable because you'll never get it all first time round. Maybe this was my issue. It continuously changes and grows into something new. Burn it all! 4.8 million years of cataloging and we still can't distinguish between a stuffed pheasant and a live one. <laughs> amazing mini. Absolutely amazing, poetic, gorgeous mini. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what happened there. I'm guessing Peter gave that a 4.8? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. How does that 2.0 feel, buddy? <laughs> it, it feels perfectly all right. I yeah. am happy with my choices. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we've got more minis. Thanks, Peter. Who's next? Next up, it's none other than GP Hayne. GP! I say J, you say P, J. P. J. P. Yes, right. <laughs> straight. Hello, GP. <laughs> GP starts. Hello, everyone. Quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly the worst Doctor Who story ever. <laughs> Yay! The script is utterly confusing, and it's by far the most poorly executed story I can remember. This was tortuous to watch, with a mismatch of ideas ham-fisted together in an incomprehensible pile of shite. <laughs> I feel like we watched the same thing! Yay! <laughs> TP continues, the acting was atrocious all round, with McCoy <laughs> at an all-time low. This almost makes the greatest show look like a masterpiece. Blasphemy. This is the second time I've watched this, and for sure, my last. <laughs> TP continues, you shouldn't need to refer to references to understand the plot or storyline of a TV show. Even in this case, it made little difference to my understanding. I really doubt further watching of this is going to increase my enjoyment of it. Utter steaming garbage, he says. GP then gives us some spoiler breakdown of the rating that has not been said just yet, but will be said very soon. 0.1 for Sophie Aldred trying hard. 0.1 for The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy referenced in episode 3. And 0.05 for actually using some live insects. Which, if you were doing the maths in your head, gives a rating of 0.25. I can't even think of a rating system, it's so freaking shit. With two to go, it surely can only get better. <laughs> well, here's hoping, because that would make it uh, absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, GP. Oh, there you go. How are you feeling about your 2.0 now, Jim Cakes? <laughs> I'm feeling all warm and cosy, actually, yeah. <laughs> nice. Very nice. GP, terrific mini. People who are not GP should absolutely look up GP on Insta and YouTube. He can be found where, Jim Cakes? At Finding G-Spots. That's right. Thanks, GP. Thank you, GP. Who's next? Next up in snipped form is... Stephen from Canada. From Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. 
Stephen says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and concludes, overall, this is definitely one of my new favorites and earns <clears throat> five. Wow, I did not realize that women in tuxedos were such a turn-ons out of five, because you probably wouldn't let me give it a six. <laughs> Stephen, for you, absolutely anything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> six out of five. <laughs> Thanks very much, Stephen. And Stephen's trousers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> People who are not Stephen should absolutely compliment Stephen on his uh, wowzerific score. He can be found at what, Jim Cakes? Yes, Andrea Jen. That's right. Thank you very much, Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Who's next? Next up, we've got Kristaps Paddock. What up, Kristaps? Hello, Kristaps. Kristaps said lots of things and then ended with absolute banger. Five Victorian reverends eat bananas while devolving into chimpanzees out of five. Classic. Classic rating system. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, Kristaps, terrific. Really, really good. Thank you so much for your many. Thank you very much for that marvelous rating. Is that two fives? That's two fives in a row. Well, one of those fives is a six. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. Thank you very much, Kristaps. Who's last? Last up, it's Ollie Raven. Hello, Ollie. Ollie says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and concludes with, overall, I give it... Hmm, 2.3 incinerated mansions, which places it firmly in the basement. Rather like those bug monsters among McCoy's dozen for me. Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Ollie, for a potentially very realistic, rational, and or diplomatic rating. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good stuff. Yeah, here's your friend who agrees with you. People who are not Ollie, say hi to Ollie online. Ollie can be found at... Foggy Doctor Who. That's right. Thanks, Ollie. And thank you very much, everyone who sent something in for this fantastic Doctor Who soiree. Oh my god, I've had an absolute blast. Thank you very much, Jim Cakes. Thank you very much, Leon face. It's been a while since we encountered a serial where we were representing such diametrically opposite views of it. I think so, yeah. It's been a little while. That's good. It's good. Good. Yeah, yeah. It warms me cockles. I don't know if anyone says that. This is thankfully not the last of Doctor Who, although there isn't that much left. What is coming up next, Jim Cakes? Well, in classic land, we'll be moving on to The Curse of Fenric, the penultimate Ooh. classic. That's right. I think that's the zombie one, or the zombie-ish one. Ooh. I've not seen it, but I've seen a couple of stills and a couple of clips, maybe, and I felt very Romero. So I'm super looking forward to that. Okay. Before we hit classic, though, we're going to be back in Flux territory with survivors of the Flux. Noise. And at some point, we'll do an audio who. Yeah, uh, we said we would, so we will. Do you know what that's going to be? I believe it will be Doctor Who Redacted. That's right. Redacted. <laughs> In the meantime, though, people can say hello to us online. Jim Doodles, where are you to be found nowadays? I can be found hiding in a cave on Mastodon. Zed Cave is known as Jimmy at the what now dot EU. Nice. Very nice. 
I can be found as well on Twitter at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N, and we collectively can also be found on Twitter at Who Back When, all in one word, for your spelling convenience. Or if you happen to be using a laptop with a broken spacebar. So thank you so much, everyone, <laughs> for listening to us, for, for putting up with our rants and bants. Rants and bants. Dude, I've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Podcast Land. Until the next time, please be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then ciao ciao who back when we're just gonna turn to our reporter on the street to find out what on earth people have been drinking the people have mostly been drinking margaritas Marvellous. I would never have expected anything less. And back to the studio.